Okay. So, <laughs> I feel like we have to start with that. Yeah. You feel like you... Okay, so, for anyone who's listening and hasn't been paying attention for whatever reason, I am currently stranded in New Zealand. And I use that word really generously because I feel really lucky. I'm in my friend's home and I have a room and a yard and I am really lucky even though I'm on the other side of the world from Luke. Um, But Keegan and I were just talking about work being crazy and life being crazy and he told me that he's acquired some new skills thanks to quarantine. Do you want to... Well... Or due to lockdown, I guess. We're not really... We're not actually in quarantine. We're in lockdown, but... What are your um? What are your new skills, Keith? Well, you got to look at the positives, right? Like, yeah, we're stuck inside for quite mm-hmm. a while. Four weeks. Uh, by the end of it, it will be six weeks, hopefully at maximum. Um, yeah, and really quickly too, I feel like um, because I've talked to some friends who live in like England and the U.S. and lockdown there is not the same as lockdown here. Like, New Zealand has halted all non-essential items from being delivered. Yeah. Um, you can't get takeaway food. You. Like, it's basically supermarkets and medical centers that are open, and that's, I mean, it's just, like, yeah. a real lockdown, yeah. like, proper lockdown. So, based on that, you have to look at the positives, and and my positives is that I've, I've kind of worked on improving some stuff, right? Yeah. And, and this might sound funny to a lot of people, but for me, it's kind of an achievement. <laughs> yeah. So, one of, one of those is actually... Be, uh, for many years I was a cyclist and you would think that would come with figuring out how to fix your own bike and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I'd just take it down to the bike shop or or my mates and get it sorted. Well, Mm -hmm. now I've actually figured out how to properly fix my, fix my disc brakes and actually make sure they work and that kind of stuff. So that, that's a positive. I I know, you know, you, YouTube tutorials are a great thing. The other, the other thing, and (laughs) one that if, if you know me, you know that I'm not great with cooking at, at all. No, I'm, I'm no. very much a boil up some pasta, grate some cheese on it, you're done kind of thing. <laughs> but I've figured out, uh, I've taught myself how to mash potatoes and I mashed, mashed potatoes for the first time last night. They're bloody yes. delicious. A little bit lumpy, but delicious. I'm going to so, give you a round of applause for that because... I think if any people who do know you know that are concerned as we were a concerned friend group thinking that how is Keegan going to feed himself without McDonald's drive through being open or without him eating pasta and cheese literally all the time? Um, well, yeah, like that's a fair point because I did eat a lot of that. But like I've actually eaten quite healthy throughout this period and mm-hmm. couple that with the running when I can. Um, I've actually managed to lose some weight and get a lot fitter. So it's it's worked out for me quite well. I feel like I've gotten fitter as well. I think like I, because I'm running now and also like doing little bar workouts and stuff and I have been eating pretty decent and I've been unintentionally intermittently fasting because I wake up in the morning and I'm not hungry, but I want a cup of coffee, so I'll have coffee. And then I just end up, like, I end up, like, answering emails, FaceTiming Luke, going for a run. And then by the time I get back, I realize, oh, I never really ate breakfast. So then I have, like, a breakfast lunch sort of thing. And I kind of realized, oh, I've been sort of, like, not intentionally intermittent fasting, which has been really cool, actually, because I haven't been, like, hungry like I thought I would be. I don't know. Well, it's, it's not, a, it's really not as conscious as you would have you would have normally done it, right? Yeah, I'm not, like, a trying not to eat or yeah. not actively trying to lose, like, weight or whatever. But, like, um, I, I don't think I'm losing, like, heaps or anything but like that. But I definitely feel like I'm getting um, fitter, especially, like, yesterday. I did a nice long run and I thought, oh, like, I'm getting slowly, very, very slowly getting my legs underneath me again. So that's Gotta really good. Gotta get those 5K times up. Also, speaking of friends who can't cook, I am much like <laughs> Keegan. I am not domestically gifted. And today I made jalapeno cheese scones, Keegan. Yeah, like I, from, I, from I saw scratch. that. I saw that on your Instagram. And I also saw that the uh, smoke alarm had gone off as well. So <laughs> It went off, but there was nothing in the oven. Like it just went off after 
Your cooking's that fire, is it? <laughs> I should really be angry at you for using that word, but I'm not going to be because legitimately I have con- given myself a continual pat on the back all day long. And I even had a beer after I finished making them because I was like, fuck, this is a lot of work. Like, you have to make things from scratch, cook them, and then you have to do the dishes afterwards. Like, I needed a beer to take the edge off. I was like, this is too much work. Oh, no, domestic life has got me. Like, why do people do this for fun? Oh, anyway, um, so Keegan is on the podcast today because, and if you haven't listened to his first episode or the episode that he features on where he gives dating advice, you should definitely go listen to those first. But um, a few people had given me the feedback that they wanted to hear more about me. So who better to interview me than my BF? Oh, God. Best friend, not boyfriend. Yeah, best friend. <laughs> Let's clarify that, please. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good idea. I think Why it not? is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we're going <laughs> to see how it goes. I mean, you could have got Sam to do it, but he's already <laughs> hosted one, so why not me? You're gonna you're gonna be a host tonight, so yeah, we're gonna see how of. how your awkwardness <laughs> carries. Uh, yeah, great, thanks. Yeah, highlight that at the start of the pod. Just up at the top, we know that Keegan is a bit awkward when you don't know him in person, but people love it. Your little your your fans love it. Give the people what they want. Keys. Yeah, here we go. Here's some here's some awkwardness for you all. Well, yeah, like Tara said. We're going to focus a bit more on her tonight in the pod, uh, which I don't think has been touched on much, has it? Because you've basically had guests on from the get-go, right? And and it's been more yeah. about your interactions with those guests and, and their lives as opposed to just you, right? Yeah, I think like my idea for starting a podcast was just to like record conversations with my friends because those are my favorite types of podcasts. They're kind of like the Peter Crouch sort of podcast where it just feels like when you're listening you're just in a room with people and their friends just chatting so I haven't really talked about me which is fine because I'm I not mean, very good at it you th- you th- yeah well you think that's fine but I guess the way you you um, set out your blog and you know Instagram and all of that kind of stuff it is about you right it's about your travels yeah. and you going around the world so yeah, well, think about, like, the old blogs I used to write were oh, yeah. such overshares. Like, if people ever, if people have been following you since then, they know a lot. If people venture back far enough on your blog, <laughs> they will have some great, great content to read. Oh, Honestly, God. I think some of those posts are probably the better ones of the blog, in my opinion. I mean, the ones that people <laughs> read the most, because obviously I see my analytics... The one that every single time I check my analytics, the number one red blog on my site is that Sunday feeling one from that time I was in London with old mate and wrote about like saying goodbye. And that is constantly read over and over again. And I don't know why, but I just feel like it's those over sherry like posts that most people would cringe about that I, that people read the most. So... You know, uh, it'd be interesting to know to... the reasons why people read those ones over other ones, right? I know I'm trying to like focus on travel content because I have so much like information to share and to make valuable, but yeah, oh well. we'll all see. right, let's kick this off then. First question <laughs> so, a lot of people know that you, you know, you kind of kick this blog off in, in the silly little Tara, silly little Kiwi brand in mm-hmm. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, what brought you to traveling to New Zealand and doing your, um, I guess your exchange, is that what you call Mm -hmm. it? Um, in New Zealand as opposed to any other country. Why New Zealand? Oh, well, (coughs) I think there's like a lot of reasons. So the first, and then there's also kind of like no reason at all. I just like, so my dad was in the military, as you know, so we lived over in Europe as a family for a while over in England for a number of years. And so I'd already felt like I'd seen quite a bit of Europe, even though I hadn't seen it really as an adult. I felt like I'd kind of been there, done that. And I knew that I wanted to go to Australia. I was interested in sort of this part of the world, but everyone was telling me, oh, if you go study abroad, you need to study in Sydney. And I just, I think because people told me 
to go to Sydney, I just decided I didn't want to go there because people were like, go to Sydney, go to Sydney. I was like, Ugh, it just feel, felt really overdone. So I was like, no, I'll go to New Zealand instead, even though I hadn't actually done any research about New Zealand. Like I knew nothing. And I think you knew that because I arrived with two overweight suitcases filled with clothes for like a tropical island destination. Yeah. So you were suggested to go to Sydney, but you decided to go with Palmerston North in New mm-hmm. Zealand. Go big or go home. <laughs> and I think um, the reason that I wanted to study abroad in the first place was I was on a scholarship in Montana to run and just didn't get along with my coach. Didn't really know what I was doing there. Like, didn't didn't love my degree. Didn't love um, my coach or, like, the running wasn't performing at a high level at the time at all um so kind of went from like high performances in high school to being at the bottom of the barrel at university and then was like I just need to get out of here and so yeah so that's why I decided to study abroad and then everyone was saying go to Sydney and I decided to come to New Zealand and then it was between here and Otago and I was just like or it was between Palmerston North and Otago and I was like Pommy's cheaper, going to Pommy. And I never looked back. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could picture you in the um, Dunedin party culture. I just. I would have. I would have died. Like, I actually. The one I think about me in Dunedin, I would have. I would have died of alcohol poisoning 100%. I'm not a big person. I cannot handle my liquor or my alcohol. Like, I would have died. It w- Can you it, imagine? It would have it would have been hilarious to see you in that situation. Not not the not the over alcohol, but just dealing with Otago <laughs> as opposed to Palmerston North. I actually like. I almost didn't come. <clears throat> I almost didn't study abroad at all because, like, my advisor, you had to get a form signed by your academic advisor to yeah. say like, yeah, you're okay to study abroad. And I went to mine at the time, and I was like, I want to study abroad in New Zealand. And she looked at like the curriculum. And she said, no, um, right now is not a good time. Like, you should stay in your degree and continue studying. And maybe your senior year, you could go. Like, it makes more sense with the way the classes line up. And I argued with her and argued with her. And she was like, I just can't sign off on it because I don't think it's a smart decision for you right now. And so I left her office and I forged her signature and turned it into the office and got to go. Did she <laughs> no find, has, she, has she found out about that? Does she know that? <laughs> I don't know if she knows that, but I switched my academic advisor after that. So, like, when I turned the slip into the office and was like, yep, like, Professor Pierce signed off on it, then I then was like, and I need a new academic advisor, and I got a new one. Wow. So, yeah. All right, then. Ruthless. (laughs) I didn't know that part. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Little rebellious Tara back at university. Oh, yeah. Uni Um, So you came up with a silly little Kiwi brand, mm-hmm. which probably didn't mean to be a brand to begin with, but it's kind nope. of turned out that way. How did you come mm-hmm. up with that? I, like, bought the domain name. Actually, I don't think I bought the domain name at first. I think at first I was just on a blogspot.com, like, sillylittlekiwi.blogspot.com um, site. And I started it because I didn't, I think I had just gotten Facebook and I didn't have a smartphone. Instagram, I think, had just launched. So it wasn't actually like a platform that people used. And so I originally just started the blog as a way to for my friends and family to be able to read about my travels without me posting on Facebook all the time. And because Instagram wasn't a thing. So I just kind of wanted a place to put pictures and write about what was going on without having a paper journal and without posting statuses all the time. Yeah. So how did the name come about then? My group of girlfriends at university in Montana, they would always say like, silly little this, silly little that, like pet names for each other. So, you know, like, oh, you're such a silly little... A monkey or like a silly little minx or like look at you you like silly little bird or whatever and we'd always call each other those things I don't really know how that started but it just became a thing like 
yeah and so then when I was looking for a blog name I thought oh people in New Zealand are called kiwis I'll just do slow little kiwi and it's just stuck and I haven't ever changed it and I've been asked by so many brands and like sponsors and like IG like Instagram strategists and companies like that they're like oh we'd love to work with you but we need you to change your name so that it's something that's more travel related like Tara Travels or The Travels of Tara or Wanderlust by Tara and I just have never I've just been so stubborn about it like I know I could probably make more money one of those one of those generic basic travel Instagrams yeah because it wasn't ever meant to like it never started as a travel thing like I mean it was started because I was traveling but the things I was writing about at the time were not travel related they were like me and Michael went to go get frozen coke yeah like like you said they're, they're quite I guess personal anecdotes right <laughs> yeah yeah like mm, old mate helped me decorate my dorm room today or me and Keegan went for a run today like it was never anything that was that was, that was informative that was not a run that we went on <laughs> that was a that was a shuffle oh, oh. I, I'd be intrigued to know how many times the blog says um you, you and Michael got a frozen coke though I imagine it's quite a lot he just loves a frozen coke he just loves them I loved them too at the time that's why I gained like 30 pounds by the time I went back so all the alcohol and frozen cokes I was eating and drinking too many twoies and frozen cokes oh my god all right next question so what made you fall in love with New Zealand and what draws you back I don't know what isn't to love about New Zealand like I don't know how anyone could be here and not love it like I initially what made me fall in love with it was like the scenery and the people people were so nice like I'd never been anywhere where people were so nice for no reason like just to be nice um so that was really appealing at first and then just like the mountains and the beaches I mean even in a place like Palmerston North like going to the beach is easy like Himatangi Beach is right there which and is ironic, right? Because for, for like someone like me, 30 minutes to drive to a beach is absolutely insane. Yeah, Whereas it, 30 minutes for you is like nothing because it would take like five days to drive there from Montana. Yeah, exactly. It was so, so <coughs> nice. Um, like we did, me and my friend did a trip down around the South Island in our car. And I mean, I just, the mountains and the lakes and the coastline and I mean, it's everything I like that nature the element of nature here is just on a different level to anywhere I've ever been ever um and especially at the time it was like whoa look at these mountains look at these hiking trails look at the lakes this is incredible um so that is what like nature and the landscapes here really sucked me in but then also I think what made me fall in love with it most heavily because Montana is really beautiful too is the people like I think all the time had I not been at Ferg my life would look so different because I would have never met you or Sam or Simon or Michael or Monique or any of the people that were Tosh I mean any of the people who like yeah impacted me so much and they were I mean you guys were my friends like you were my family here we all took care of each other we went to the balls together we oh god yeah went out on like nighttime (laughs) missions in the snow together like I mean I think I think the (coughs) landscapes and the nature and stuff is all incredible but the thing that made me feel at home here was just the people and it made me feel really safe to be super reckless at times like getting a shitty tattoo or going skydiving or drinking too much on a Thursday night. Like it just, I felt safe to do all that stuff because it was like, yeah, but I've got cool friends who will love me regardless. So done. Yeah. I guess, I guess Ferg was a pretty good place for that. Right. Like I I, I imagine most of the halls were in their, in their kind of ways. Like they, you know, that's what you do at university. You make a close group of friends and that's probably the last time you'll make like really close group of friends kind of thing for a while. Right. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Ferg Ferg seemed to have an even more 
I guess, family feel than the other halls. From, from be- our perspective anyway, right? Yeah, I think, like, part of it, too, is we were away from the campus. Like, we were up on that hill, right? So it was kind of yeah. like, I don't know, it felt like its own little community up on that hill. The Like, the, the halls and the- stuff being up there, like... It wasn't kind of like the outcasts of the, yeah. of the university hall kind of scene, right? It's kind of like a group of misfits that just found each other. Like, yeah, I don't know. Ferg, Ferg memories are some of my absolute favorite, and they're uh, like they're ridiculous when I look back on them. But great segue, and I like that I got to use the word I segue you. because you can't hear me. You got? I can't hear you. We are currently experiencing technical problems. Please sit by. All right. Technical difficulties over. Uh, what was I saying? Segway. A segue into your favourite New Zealand university memory. And I, we honestly, we could sit here and talk for hours. I could happily talk here for hours from our third ferg memories but we have so many good ones from ferg it's so difficult to choose like like the one I... the other day you posted a photo of michael benner uh, <laughs> while we we're out possum hunting with the bear in hand and just loving life that, like, was, that was a great so good that was so good i've got so many good ones like um so ferg hall our dorm hall had like a ball sort of a big dinner and a dance and I remember Keegan went with me, even though, like, you didn't need a date or whatever. But I was like, Keegan, you've got to go with me. And, like, you can wear a tie that matches my dress. And it felt, yeah. it felt very much like prom night. But we we dressed up. Well, everyone dressed up. But we dressed, like, to match. And so did, like, a few other people that we were friends with. And we, like, made it. Like, everyone was like, you don't have to go with someone to the Ferg Ball. And we're like... Yeah, but it's so much better if you do. Like, we were taking like oh, pictures on the. We were taking like pictures on the staircase and stuff together. It was so good. Yep that yeah. that was a good memory. I remember that night. That was good fun. Yeah, that was good fun. Um. Oh my god. I mean, there's so many. Like, there are so many nights. There was one night that I remember really specifically. That's funny. I don't know if I should share it. Oh, God, here we go. Do nah, you go rem- on, why not? What's okay, the, what's the it's heart? not embarrassing for you, it's embarrassing for me. Do you oh, remember this. when you and Mike and Monique were looking for me? <laughs> and you came to my door and you knocked and no one answered. And then, <laughs> and then you... I think then, I know how this ends. <laughs> you went around to the outside and knocked on my window because my light was on so you guys knew I was in my room. Yeah, you're just completely blanking us. <laughs> because I was because I was hanging out <laughs> with someone and so I kept hearing knocking on the window and you and Mike talking and it was the most scared I think I've been in a, in a while. I don't I don't know what's scary about that. I'm not. At the time, I was afraid of getting caught. Was it was it at a time where we didn't know we weren't quite sure of the bigger picture of what was happening? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys were still uh, playing dumb about what was happening. So yeah, so I remember being like playing dumb. I don't want to say a word. Like, please do not like hear me breathing. It was so so terrifying. Um, what else? Uh, me heckling at the sporting game is still oh. one of my favorites because you guys are still angry about it, and I don't if, know why. If anyone who's listening has listened to the podcast, the podcast that I was originally on um, with Tara, you'll know that one of my biggest pet peeves is her American heckling, <laughs> and one how corny it is, and two how loud and obnoxious it is. It's so, so good. It does my head in, Keegan? It adds to a level of. It adds such a level of atmosphere to the game. Like not if you're the only one doing it, and it's quite clear that you're not, like. It's so good. It was so oh. good. I went to a um, so Keegan and Sam and Benner, our friend Mike, were all 
playing in an indoor football. It was like the final, league, wasn't league. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a like final that. game or a rivalry game or something. And I went and I started to cheer them on via heckling the other team. <laughs> and the referee. Yeah, well, he was doing a bad job. It's not my fault. It was a social indoor football league. Well, I know we took. I know we took it seri- quite seriously, and so say, did the other teams. Well, they were, they did get quite heated, but yeah, uh, that <laughs> the chanting that you uh, that you brought to the game wasn't probably. Uh, it probably wasn't the right arena for it, where people can actually hear what you're saying. It wasn't family friendly. I don't think. Nah, something about being on your knees and... Get off your knees, ref, you're blowing the game. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Ah! And calling someone a cyclops and all of that mm. business. Uh, the referee again, I think. Yeah, yeah, I said if you had one more eye, ref, you'd be a cyclops. Because you're just making stupid calls. All right. Honestly, I'm a supportive friend and you should appreciate that, but that's fine. It's one of my I'm, many talents. That... I'm all for sideline behaviour, thank you. I mean, we could talk about New Zealand memories forever. I've got so many. I mean, the time that I almost threw up Powerade in your car. There's oh, so God. many. That's a great, that's a great anecdote. Yeah. And, and one that was further on from uni, but when you decided to come back and, and be and be an au pair over, over here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want to explain or shall I ex- explain? We can both explain. I'll start. So Go on. I, at the time I had a boyfriend here so I flew to New Zealand to be an au pair and we I flew I was going to be living in Auckland but I flew down to Palmerston North to surprise my then boyfriend I didn't know at the time but there was going to be this big party that night at our, our friends sort of like a mutual friend's house so I was kind of I was jet lagged I was dehydrated I didn't really eat I was ill prepared for that night in walks Tosh, who university Tosh was. How would you describe her? A loose unit. <laughs> she was absolutely reckless and, and, and loose. And she'll hate that I said that as well. She was so, so just absolutely reckless. So she basically, I had been drinking Tui, which is a brand of beer that I love here, and it's quite cheap. And decided that I was getting a bit too drunk on beer. And I could feel myself getting, like, that sort of bloated, like, could-be-sick feeling. So I was like, oh, I should probably switch to something else. But I didn't bring anything else to the party. So then Simone, Michael's girlfriend, was like, oh, you can have some lemonade and vodka. Because I brought lemonade and vodka. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. So as she was pouring me a drink, then Tosh came over. And Tosh was like, why would you waste uh, vodka by mixing it with lemonade and made me take pulls straight from the vodka bottle. So I'd had probably four beers, and then on top of that, which for which for you is quite a quite a lot. Yeah, and being dehydrated and jet lagged is extra a lot. And then on top of all of that, not really, I hadn't eaten anything. I don't think unless maybe we nah. had Summer Hill Indian that day. But I oh can't no, we did. And yeah, we had yeah, we had Indian that, that day coming up. Yeah, it was. And then, we, then I had all this vodka. And then we went to Beer Barrel and like Melba's and those shitty Palmerston North nightclubs that had like free shots. And I think Tosh bought me tequila shots at Beer Barrel. And at one point, I remember sitting down on the floor of Beer Barrel and someone coming up and being like, like one of our friends coming and like pilling me up and being like, all right, to the next bar we go. And so anyway... I got incredibly intoxicated. My flight up to Auckland was the next day at 3 p.m. The boys... So my boyfriend took me back to his place, which is where Keegan and Michael and one of their other friends lived in this house that was grotty as. It was a great flat. <laughs> it was horrible. It, 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 may, it may have had a few leaks, Cats maybe maybe could have could have come up through the floor and get into our kitchen, and it may not have had a bathroom for maybe probably three months or something like that. But her character being a visiting woman in that that flat was horrific. Like the bathroom was a situation that I don't even care to think about. We <laughs> it was 
horrible. It was awful. Um, so at Ruahini, the next morning, the boys wake me up and they're like, do you want breakfast? I'm like, yeah. I think maybe it was you or Michael who was like making eggs and toast. And I was sitting in the living room. Some more of my culinary skills. I was eating it in the living room. And I just remember thinking like, I'm going to throw this up. I can't. I can't. So I ended up not finishing it, going back into bed and laying down. Then you guys were going to go to Pack and Save, which is a supermarket here. The boys wake me up and they're like, do you want to go to Pack and Save? Like, it'd be good to get you out in fresh air. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel a little bit better. That's fine. I do, I think, like a loop around Pack and Save. Did I buy the... No, I didn't buy the Gatorade. do a loop around pack and save and you guys bought like gatorades or whatever yeah it was a bright red gatorade and and once you saw us with it that's like all you wanted you're like oh i need that yeah i was like oh this will be good this will be good so i'm because i'm ill the guys let me sit in the front seat with keegan who was driving a car at the time and he had the nicest car out of all of us so he's driving back from pack and save back to the apartment or to the house and I'm just like, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Please pull over. And Keegan, like, as he's pulling over and I'm trying to open the door, Keegan's like, not in the car, not in the car, not in the car. Like, he was so upset thinking that I was going to throw up in the vehicle, not concerned at all about my condition. (laughs) Equally, because we were probably an hour away from taking you to the airport anyway to fly up to Auckland. And then I just spewed on the sidewalk. And you were like, don't get don't get it on my car. And then I think Benner gave me his Powerade to, like, take a sip of. And I took a sip of it. And then I tried to hand it back to him. And he's like, no, you you can keep that. Like, you, Yeah, keep that one. Yeah. You need it. So then I went back into bed when we got home. And then you guys woke me up literally, like, the last second. Like, all right, you have to rally because you have to get like to Auckland yeah, like your flight's flight. leaving you're gonna have to rally so we did that and then I got to Auckland the woman who I was going to work for and live with and watch her take care of her child picks me up from the airport starts driving me to her house in Remuera, and she's like driving around all these roundabouts she had quite a lead foot anyway so we were going pretty fast around these roundabouts and I thought that I'd felt better. Like, I slept on the, the plane right up. I was like, I think I'm okay. I think I can rally. And then she was like, oh, you must be so hungry. And she starts naming off these foods that she could make for dinner. She's like, we could have fish and chips. We could do lasagna. We could do this. And I just spew in my scarf, <laughs> like, right in my lap, oh. it, on her, like, gear shift all over in a nice her nice, BMW. bright, like, brand new BMW that she had like just bought I mean it was and she just had it detailed and everything and I just spewed all over it like the dashboard the and I remember like crying taking a shower and then calling like you guys and being like I'm gonna be deported like this isn't I remember that that, like that call was quite funny there you go there's a little bit of insight into Tara lovely I think that's a fantastic story one of the classics <laughs> one of the classics i'm just glad you didn't vom in the car to be honest in your car yeah i yeah, vomed all over paula's oh couldn't give couldn't give two shits about her car <laughs> it's my car that matters i know you were so instead of being like are you okay or holding my hair you were just like not in the car not in the car not in the yeah car. yeah Aww. Imagine you, getting vom smell out of my car you guys were very very good at um making sure I was cared for, though, so, you know. Oh, there you go. Kudos right. to you. All right, let's move country. Okay. Now let's go to Laos. Yep. So you've you've done a lot of traveling mm-hmm. around different countries and stayed in various different countries for different amounts of time and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But Laos is a significant one yep. in your journey since university. Yeah, it is. Why? So, why, why Laos of all places? It's similar to New Zealand. I just was like, I everyone was going to Thailand, so I went to Laos. <laughs> you just wanted to buck the trend. <laughs> yeah, it's like, forget it, I'm going to Laos. Um, so when I moved back after au pairing 
to America. I lived there. I had to like go back because my visa was up. I lived back in the States, um, saving money to travel. Um, I think I lived there for like 10 months and started traveling again. And I saw just an ad on Facebook one day, which was like teach, like volunteer, um, with monks in Laos. And I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. Called the number, signed myself up and like called or well, when next day when I went into work, I was like, all right guys, um, I'm going to be quitting (laughs) in a month. Um, like a massive leap of faith. Yeah, because I was making really good money working in HR and, like, had, you know, good health insurance and all that stuff. But I just wasn't, wasn't into it. So, yeah, went to Laos and I just loved it. It has a lot. It's very similar to New Zealand in a lot of ways. Like, the people are incredibly generous, incredibly friendly. Um, the natural landscapes are insane. Like, the mountains there are wild just out of this world wild the if you like like lush jungle mountains i it's incredible there um and it's not like super touristy so there isn't the sort of same tourism in laos that there is in like vietnam or thailand so Laos isn't exactly a place that jumps to mind as a place like to my mind as a place to go straight away but like vietnam you yeah, know, probably more so, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And especially Thailand, you know, they're yeah. the more popular places. And Thailand and Vietnam have the infrastructure for it, so like tourism's quite easy there. Like you know, like they've got like yeah. you can get buses or trains different places, and like Laos just doesn't really have that super yeah. set up. So it just fell off the beaten path. And I went there at a time when I knew that I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something more in the world like I wanted to help the world more which I know sounds super like do-goodery but I just I knew I didn't want I wanted to help in some way you were looking for your purpose I was looking for my purpose yeah oh god that sounds so sappy but fair like and and that kind of (laughs) oh yeah geez and that kind of that kind of goes into the next question. Like you, you were working for NGOs. Yeah. Uh, so one, what is what does NGO stand for? And two, kind of, you, you've kind of already answered it. What what was the driver for going down that path? But um, so like originally my my like bachelor's degrees in psychology, I was always really interested in knowing like how people why people think and act the way that they do. And so that's always been really interesting to me, but um, I didn't actually want to get into like clinical psychology. And I had actually gotten into a program at the university of Wyoming for graduate school, but Mm -hmm. deferred for love and instead came to New Zealand. Um, Oh, this is very bright love. (laughs) It's so bad. Um, Yeah, so I knew I wanted to do something that just made an impact. And I think my, I mean, you know this because you're like one of my best friends, a massive driving part of my personality is like, I want to either help people or I like a sense of community. I mean, it's the same way I feel about our friends, right? Like I just want to be around the people I love all the time. And I felt like I wanted to have a sense of community and I think that traveling when you're volunteering that's quite good because it's people who are in the place for the same reasons like they want to do good or their intentions are like to make change and make a positive impact so it just seemed kind of to tick all my boxes um so an NGO is a non-governmental organization and it's really loose language because there are like tourism organizations that technically can classify themselves as an NGO and there's a whole issue with like volunteering abroad and doing it in an unethical way anyway that like could be a whole other podcast but I was young and I didn't know any anything about that and so I just signed up and did it and I loved it and it was fun and I met amazing people I met my current partner there even though we didn't start dating at the time but 
I mean, I met him. He was a volunteer in Laos. Um, yeah. Cute. I know. And I've worked for the, since then, like, since moving back <coughs> there and living there and stuff, after I volunteered there, then I, like, worked for the embassy and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, well, again, you're, you're going over questions that I've already got written down, like, Sorry. tell us, <laughs> telling us about your time there. But, I, so, how, how, like, how long did you spend there? Um, so I, it was a couple of years, wasn't it? Yeah. So I volunteered for a month originally yeah. and then left because I was just on a, like a partial visa or whatever, left, came back to New Zealand, of course. Oh, um, there we go. And then I backpacked around South America. And then when I went back to the States after backpacking South America, I found out that I got a job in Laos so I could go back. So I went yeah. back and that's when I worked as the Women's Empowerment Project Coordinator. I was mm. in charge of basically setting up a project to bring equal opportunities to women. So um, we did a lot of like uh, menstrual health education and hygiene workshops, environmental impact workshops. We did English language courses, which I know some people are like teaching English is neo-colonialism, but it's also a need that exists there. So like we did that yeah. too. Um, yeah. And just, I stayed there for, I was there for ages and yeah. my partner set up a business there. <coughs> I just kept Which going is? back. Orange Rope Tours. Do, do, do. Uh, there you go. Cheeky plug. <laughs> I hope I get I hope I get paid for that cheeky plug. <laughs> Luke Luke owes you now. Yeah, there we go, Luke. Noted, mate. Noted. Yeah. So fi- final Laos question mm-hmm. and what I've done what I'm gonna do with all of these countries that I talk about. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite memory of Laos? Favorite memory of Laos. Um Oh my goodness, there's so many good ones. I think there was one day, it just seems like a really ordinary memory, but one day I was sleeping in our apartment. So my um, boyfriend and I lived there while he was setting up his social enterprise. And we had an apartment over the office. And I was sleeping up, just like taking a nap up in the, like upstairs apartment over the office because it was a thousand million degrees as it usually is in Laos. And he came up the stairs and he was like um like wake up and come out and watch the sunset with me and right across the road from our office and from our apartment is the mekong river and the sunset that night was insane i think i have pictures from it and it was just one of those moments where it was like like wow i live here like the sunset was incredible it was the mekong river so it had like the, (coughs) the long wooden boats floating down it and we were just there, like it was outside of our apartment. And it was a moment that I always think about because it was one that was like, this is my life. Like I get to to be here and like see these incredible sunsets. And yeah, it was just amazing. Like just wake, wake up from a nap and see the most amazing sunset ever. Bit of a bit of a kind of heading home kind of moment that you're in this amazing place, right? Yeah, it was pretty insane. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's get to another country now, and, and probably a more controversial country. Oh god! Uh, and I can tell that, and I knew when <laughs> I, I wrote these questions don't even... that you were kind of gonna cringe about this. But you've got to you've got to mix the good with the bad, oh and my god. you know, this is about learning about who you are, and you know how you got to the point you're at currently. Mm-hmm. So, the next country is China. Mm-hmm. Of all the countries in the world that you found yourself in, it was China. Mm-hmm. So you, you landed a job there and you decided, yeah, okay, I'll pack up my stuff. But <laughs> one, what was the job and why? Why China of all places? It doesn't seem like a you country. It isn't a me country. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, my God. I feel. I actually feel bad for all my friends because I know that like I leaned so heavily on everyone when I was in China because I just needed my people um so I think at the time I kind of didn't know what to do with myself because I had a visa rejection from New Zealand so I knew I wasn't going to be living in New Zealand what number was that on 
Oh my god, like six. Two or three? I mean, I don't <laughs> even know. A thousand? <laughs> <laughs> the millionth visa rejection? I don't even know. Um, <coughs> and so I was living in the States. I was kind of in a relationship, but kind of not. And as much as I hate to admit it, like I think I was waiting for, like, I didn't know what to do because I was kind of like, just in limbo yeah like do you go and follow that person or do you let them follow you or are you going to meet up somewhere like nothing was really seemingly happening so i finally was like i'm gonna just make the decision to like go and live overseas and so i got a job opportunity to teach in south korea and i was like not everyone does that and again didn't want to do what everyone else does So I decided to go teach English in China, but... There seems to be a running theme here with the the choice of countries. I know, and you know what's sad? I just noticed that right now telling these stories. Oh, that's good. We're all learning. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just felt like a lot of Americans go and teach in South Korea because it's an amazing country and it's wonderful. And it just seemed like maybe it would be a bit too... I don't know. Easy? It just seemed seemed easy to me, which isn't a bad thing, but I didn't want to do it. So I went ahead and got my visa to teach English in China. I was going to be making more money anyway, which was appealing. China had a lot of international flights. um, So I could live, like, it just felt, it felt like more of a challenge. It felt exciting. So I did that. Within a few months of teaching English, I realized I'm not good at teaching English. Like, <laughs> I don't enjoy it. Like, I enjoy curriculum development. I enjoy project development. Teaching English is just not for me. It's not something that I like. I don't like the environment or anything like that. And it wasn't enjoying China. So I got a position writing for a British English magazine in China called The Nanjinger. And yeah, that's a very weird combination of yeah. And I literally emailed them media. because I saw their magazine in a cafe that I used to go to all the time because it was the only cafe where they understood my English, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to order anything in Chinese. So yeah. I went to this cafe and I basically lived off of their blueberry muffins and their coffee every day, and I saw this magazine on a table and looked through it and I was like oh my god it's in English and I was reading it and then I took the email from the back that was like for media inquiries email this like editor at whatever and I went to my apartment and I emailed the editor and I was like can I please write for your magazine like do you take contributing writers and he was like come to the office and I will I'd love to meet you and have a cup of coffee with you and completely by coincidence, Keegan, the office from the for the magazine was two blocks from my apartment. Like, wow. it was right down the road. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And so I was like, wait, that's my street. And then I was like, no, maybe my Chinese is bad. And I remember Luke, like, walking me to the office and us being like, it was right here the whole time. And I <laughs> went and that was that was when I went through my little, like, mini depressive phase where i took down my blog <laughs> yeah there there was a phase where, where the blog was n- no longer happening and it was all because of china yeah and yeah and so i had a cup of coffee with him and he was like why do you want to write and i was like i'm going through heartbreak i'm a mess i don't have my life together i don't know why i'm here i don't enjoy china at all nothing about this place is enjoyable to me I just need to do something that I feel good about. And words have always been my thing. Like writing has always been something that I can go back to wherever I am. Like I can find my words. And as long as I have my words and as long as I have language, I feel okay. And I feel like I'm like, that's something I can handle and like the world's okay. And he was like, well, that's a very honest answer. Because he was like, do you have any bylines? Do you have any experience working for a magazine? I was like, nope, nope, nope. And he was like, all right, you're hired. (laughs) So he was just like, I'd never, he said that he'd never had someone come in and talk to him that was like that honest. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, literally just like, 
I have nothing left to lose. <laughs> like I've, I've got no skills. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not liking this country, but hire me anyway. Yeah. And so wow. I wrote about it. Yeah. Nice. What, like, what things did you write? Um, so to start with, to learn, I did a lot of, like, current events stuff. So, like, I wrote about, like, he would send me, like, the editor would send me to, um, like, festivals because, like, um, at the time, like, spring festivals going on. There's a bunch of yeah. um, stuff. So I'd go to, like, events and then write up what was happening or like new restaurants would open and I would go and I'd write like an English review of the restaurant like how easy is it to order in English and is it expensive and how good is the food and this that and the other thing um and then after a few months of that then the editor was like you could why don't you try to write an A column which is a like two page spread in the center of a magazine it's typically like where most people just naturally open a magazine to first so it's like an a piece and i was like so excited do you remember how my voice changed because i was so used to being sick no i I remember that quite vividly that's basically what all our chats were yes because i was so used to being sick that sounded like like mine sounds like now like physically changed (laughs) because i remember Someone called me and was yeah. like, you sound different. And I was like, yeah, I do because my voice has had to adapt to me having a croaky, like a croaky voice all the time. So now my voice has actually changed. It was not a pleasurable experience. I think maybe going back <laughs> yeah. when I wasn't in like the throes of like heartache and like figuring out a relationship and also going back as maybe a tourist where it wasn't like a more permanent situation, I think that it would have been more enjoyable. But like uprooting my life, moving to China, some a place that can be quite isolating when the internet isn't working and this, that, and the other thing, at a time when I was really emotionally vulnerable and really just not in a good headspace, I don't think it was the right move for me. Probably not the right jump, was it? Nope. Nope. But I made it. Back in New Zealand now. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Let's let's kind of wrap this up. We we. This is a long pod again. Um, yeah, that's okay. all right. We'll do some quick fire questions. All right. Okay. So, first one. What's oh, the God. best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, probably two of them. One is no one cares what you're doing because I think a lot of people, including myself, think that people are watching you or sort of judging the moves that you're making. But half the time, no one actually cares what you're like. No one actually is so hyper-focused on you. You're not the center of anyone else's world. So it's sort of, does make sense? Um, (coughs) and invest in your relationships. Like friendship over everything for me like you guys are my family so to me it's like it's so worth it when people are like why do you keep coming back to new zealand why don't you go to a new country it's like my relationships relationships are so worth investing in so i would say relationships are worth investing in and no one cares what you're doing like just do it it's interesting i found i stumbled across some quotes the other day or some some ways to kind of live by i don't know why it's not my kind of thing Mm -hmm. but like one kind of stood out that kind of you live by, um, which is like living, live deliberately. Like obviously with all of this stuff, you yeah. kind of, you know, you target it in a way because, you know, you're looking at doing good or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I quite like yeah. that one. And, and yeah, I think make decisions that like, like do stuff that makes you happy because you like life is yeah. short and I know that's super bleak and super cliche, but it's like you have to just like spend your time as if it were currency, like spend, spend time. Like it is money yeah. that you'll never get back. Cause that's what yeah. it is. Like, so next question, uh, what's your go-to song at the moment? I've been listening to, um, 
Closer by Tegan and Sarah over and over again. I've been listening to a lot of country music. I know you'll hate that. Like over and over again. Um, Take It From Me by oh I think God. it's Jordan Davis or Davies. I don't know. It's a country song, but it's like an it's an upbeat country song oh, I've been listening to over know. and over and over again. And then Ellen who I'm staying with, she's been listening to The Man by Taylor Swift on repeat. Yeah, and so- she's, she's, got a, she's got a bit of a habit of doing that. When <laughs> I stayed with them for a couple of weeks over Christmas, New Year's, it was Harry Styles' Watermelon Sugar, and it was literally every, every minute of every day. Yeah, so, I was lis- so I've been not intentionally listening to that one over and over again, but that one is constantly in the background every wow. day. Uh, Tui or Lion Brown? Tui, a thousand times over Tui. Oh, come on. I don't even Brown know if I could down day. a Lion Brown, if I'm honest. Oh, you could. It's, it's, it's great beer. Great beer. Mm. Laos or New Zealand? New Zealand. I thought that might be a harder one for you to... It, 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 like, New Zealand's home, man. Like, I mean, you know that. Like, of anywhere I've ever been, New Zealand is home home. Laos is my home in Asia. And if anyone were like, where's your favorite place in Asia... Not China. Like, Laos has to be it, but I do feel like they're very similar in a lot of ways, although obviously super different. But um, Mm. my life in Laos is super, super simple, and it's very comforting. And anytime I go back, I do feel like I'm going home. But, I mean, New Zealand has you guys, and New Zealand has... Oh, stop it. Favorite foods, favorite beers, favorite mountains, favorite everything. So it's like, you know. Fair enough. Favorite TV show currently? Ooh, that's between... I really like Dark, which is a German show on Netflix, but you can watch it either with the English dub or I watch it with English subtitles. Um, Luke and I watched it last summer when we were traveling around, and it is so good. Um, and then also Money Heist. Oh, yeah, that, that's a Spanish which, one as well. Mm-hmm. Foreign languages, yeah. Foreign languages, <laughs> watch out. Uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, probably fried um, insects in Thailand, maybe. Delicious. Yeah. Don't really that taste like anything, horrible. honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, because they just, they're fried, so you can't taste anything. It's just like a crunchy, I don't know, like crunchy. Just a crunchy. Aura. Just like, yeah, like if a bit of like biscuit <coughs> or something fell off in the oven and it got crunchy, that's just what it tastes uh, like. Okay. Like oh, nothing. All right. Maybe if I ever go there, I might try something. Yeah. Uh, and what is the worst job you could ever have? Teaching English in China. <laughs> no, <laughs> Teaching English no, in China. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no. Um, worst job? Anything to do with a toilet? Because you know me, I don't talk about toilet stuff, so I could never talk about. Yeah, you do hate talking about that, which is quite hilarious. It's only funny because I'm so open about everything else. Like, we have we just had this conversation the other day, didn't we? I'll talk about literally anything else. Like, yeah. periods, inappropriate things. It doesn't matter. But it'd have to be something to do with the toilet. Oh, or something to do with, like, I don't know if I could be a cook. Like, every day doing that. Like, every even if I had the skills cooking for other people every day, I didn't know. No way. No, I've I've seen you cooking, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm a good cook by any means. Pasta and cheese, but we would we would be a nightmare if we were like locked in a flat together, and it depended on our domestic skills to keep us alive. Uh, Uber, Uber Eats would be the savior. <laughs> Maggie D's chicken nuggies every day. Ugh, gross. Yes. question really quickly uh are you gonna invite me to go away like i keep saying you're like the more persistently annoying you get about this the less likely i'm gonna ask i'm not (laughs) you you don't think you are i think you am (laughs) am i think you definitely are i'm being endearing Keegan, is it doesn't it make you doesn't it warm your heart to know that there's a human being who cares enough that they want to be invited to this? And I've I've offered to shave my head. I've offered to not say any words. I've offered to tape my tits down so you can't even tell that I am. I've not, a woman. I've not heard you saying that one before. I'll do that. No. 
Ugh. Fine. I'll wiggle my way in. I'll warm my way into your heart. It'll happen. Oh, here we go. Just like she's been trying to do for 10 years. All right. They say if you're friends with someone for seven years, you're friends with them your whole life. And you know what? I'm, I'm stuck. Bloody hell.